Welcome to my best 11 podcast. Today, we are joined by a goalkeeper who, when I looked at the number of clubs he's played for, it's absolutely incredible. Um, but some massive, massive clubs on there, including um, both North and South of Wales, both at Cardiff and Wrexham at different ends of his career. Luton, Sunderland, Man City, Stockport, um, to name just a few. Um, but also played for Wales a number of times as well. Today we are joined by the goalkeeper extraordinaire, Andy Dibble. How are you, Andy? I'm very good and I'm uh, privileged to be here. It's taken a long time to get on, but now I'm here. So <laughs> look forward to tonight. It's it has. It has. The time differences and uh, my involvement at Cardiff City and the games we've had, it's, it's been a difficult time, but looking forward to tonight's show. Fantastic, fantastic. Marvin, so how well do you know Andy? Obviously, came rather than coming through the youth, youth system, came through um, came through Cardiff's youth system, but how well yeah. do you know Andy? Is he just from his Luton times or obviously yeah, twice? Yeah, just from his Luton times, pretty much. Um, he signed for Luton, Um from Cardiff and funny enough um, Dibs was as we call him Dibs was my first um, like pro you know as apprentices you had pros and like I had um, Dibs and I had um, Fozzie I mean not bad actually you know to, to obviously um, like top players but like the thing what I will say about Dibs is straight away like I said to him about his boots and stuff I'm going to be doing your boot boy he said I can't do the Welsh out today in an attempt but he said Marvin he said all I care about every morning, you come in here with a cup of tea for me. That's all I want. It's a cup of tea. <laughs> <laughs> and every morning it was Marvin, where's my cup of tea? Marvin, where's my tea? Every morning I'd go and get him his tea. So yeah. No, nothing. Do you remember that tips? Do you remember still that tips or not? Yeah, still I do remember it. I remember it was like yesterday, honestly. And they were the good old <laughs> days, weren't they? We had great team spirit in abundance. And I, it was I was so proud to be part of that um Luton Town. Team. The four years I had there, I, I can't speak highly of you. It was a, a magical time for me. Fantastic. So we're here to talk about your best 11. And as we go through, also we'll chip away at your career and have a chat about your career um, as a player. And now, um, as you've kind of mentioned as well, um, your coaching career where you're currently at Cardiff. So we're going to jump straight in. Um, always a difficult one because you never technically play on the same park as them. Um, but starting off with your know, Start off your formation. What formation. formation would you like to? 11. What formation did you find the best to play with, or did you like the best as a goalkeeper, and why? Yeah, I stick with the the four four two formation. I think um, <clears throat> obviously now it tends to be out of fashion. There isn't many teams over here that now play that formation. But for me, in both ways, going forward and defensively, uh, the shape of that setup um, was the favoured one for me. Still is now, but I'm not a manager. Don't pick the team, but you know, I still like. I still think you can play football in the right way in the four-four-two formation. Yeah, oh, fantastic. I mean, when you're a goalkeeper, do you want to? Have you always taught and obviously teaching the kids now? Do you teach them to spread it wide, or is it route one, or just get rid of the thing? I mean, obviously, different clubs are trying to play the ball on the ground these days, and some of them, like Arsenal, you remember particularly, just get into absolute strife with it. Well, it's interesting the way things have evolved for me because um, obviously now a lot of teams are traditionally trying to play out more from the back. And I still think in the 4-4-2 formation, you can play it from the back. Um, at my own club at the moment, <clears throat> we're playing the 3-4-3 or 3-5-2 uh, setup um, with the emphasis on trying to play out. But if we can't, if we can't play out, we will try and hit the front in open play. So 
I mean, there's, there's lots of situations during the game where you, you can change it up. And I think from the goalkeeper's point of view and the whole team structure, it's kind of set up by the goalkeeper now. But from my perspective, as I see it, from my goalkeeper's point of view, you, you play what you see. Yeah. And have you had to change your training methods? I mean, has it had to go from purely shot-stopping and, and that type of thing? Not purely, but you know what I mean? The percentages um, to now ball at feet, that type of stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean... Um, under Neil Warnock, we were more, we hit the front more, but, you know, I would never criticise that because Neil Warnock was a fantastic manager and we got to the Premier League by doing that. You know, we hit the halfway, more, hard tend to hit the halfway line more and trying to hit the big forward. Um, under Mick McCarthy, similar. Um, Steve Morrison's now took over um, and they want to try and play out from the back more. Um, Steve's coming from being the under-23s manager where they, they did try and play a little bit more, but, uh, for me, it's adopting to the manager you work for. Yeah, excellent. So we'll jump straight into your best 11. Um, like I said, goalkeeper, um, give us a few clues on the way and you can have some honourable mentions for those ones you may forget about. This is a difficult one because uh, from my era, there were so many special goalkeepers and brilliant goalkeepers that um, I'd hate to leave anybody out really, but... Um, you're going to get it straight away. He was, he was, he was a big. He was blonde. international, Danish, international. Was he, and he was international. Yeah, played for his country. Yeah, Manchester United. Yeah, yeah. Denmark. Um, and his sons followed in his footsteps. Peter Smichael. Yeah, excellent. Was he as um, was he as commanding? I mean, he came across as. I mean, he never struck me as tall, but he always struck you know, me as quite difficult. Not not big boy, but he he could spread himself. Yeah, I think Peter brought in a different type of goalkeeping as well as, you know, we saw his um, star shape, fish shape, whatever you want to call it. He brought that into the game. There's now a new spreading and blocking that's been brought in as well. During my time, obviously, goalkeepers tended to be, I'm not saying not as brave now, but they were more, you know, we'll, we'll go with our lead with our face first. Um, but let's say goalkeeping has evolved and, and moved on. And but Peter was one of them immense characters that he, he was awesome. He filled the goal. I mean, during that time, I mean, it's hard to pick between the likes of him, Seaman. There's too many to mention, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. Right. Yeah, definitely. So if Schmeichel's in there, um, was he quiet in the in the dressing room? Or I've heard different messages or different stories um, from people like Steve Bruce and stuff saying that when he came, he started off quiet and he got quite outlandish, not outlandish, but he got quite a bit more a bit more in the dressing room. He always was on the pitch, but in the dressing room, maybe started a bit quieter. Yeah, I, I, I think he's um, probably a quiet, quieter character, but obviously when he's on the pitch, he's more vociferous, you know? Yeah. Just because you're quiet in the dressing room. I mean, <clears throat> I always saw him as just such a commanding person. On the, I looked at him more on the pitch and what he did. You don't have to be uh, really loud in the dressing room, but you could see that when he was on the pitch... That was the time that, you know, he commanded the respect of his players and everybody knew what was going on behind him. I mean, I left Neville Southall up there. It was one of the best as well. And Big Nev was, yeah. you know, it's difficult to leave Big Nev out. And the times I shared with Big Nev with the Wales dressing room, he wasn't, you know, shouting his mouth off or in the dressing room, but his organisational skills on the pitch were second to none. No, definitely. And obviously you as a goalkeeper, um, just tell us a bit about how, did you always want to be a keeper or... Funnily enough, I started off as a left-back. Okay. And and how did that transition come about? What age? Um, 11. 
and I, I was brought off in the um, cup final, local cup final. Uh, started, obviously, as I said, as a left back, and I was brought off at half time. And I never forget my grandfather was in the stands, God bless him. And he, he said, You played like a dressmaker's dummy. And it set me that much that <laughs> the next week I found myself in goal and I went from strength to strength. Okay. Have you always, um, so do you always feel that, that desire to play in goal, even under 11? Or was it just a case of whoever's, whoever fancies it that game? No, I, I, it, it, was, it was weird because the transition from playing as a left back to going in goals, I kind of, started as a left back but I always thought I wanted to be a goalkeeper my father was a goalkeeper um, and then as they say I took to it like duck to water so I think we um, we went from strength to strength and the only one bad experience I had during the following season where it probably might have had my worst game ever um, and we ended up being beaten 8-0 but Car- Cardiff City Scout was there who I work for today and I, he must have seen a lot of good in me although I probably was at fault for three goals and I ended up signing for the club as a schoolboy Wow. So, so that's the message to kids. Even if you get smashed 8-0, you can still get signed up on YTS or whatever one it was you, you got signed up on. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. So we're going to keep going. Um, right back. Um, this would probably be different to what you're normally used to, but I'm going to stick with a back four that lives with me forever. So the right back, he kind of Luton Town, Sheffield Wednesday, became a physio. And might still be a physio. Okay. Is it um, my brother from another mother with the same surname? Marvin Dibbs? Yes. Rob Johnson? <laughs> Rob Johnson? <laughs> yeah. Rob Johnson. Rob Johnson. Fantastic. Marvin, you got good free memories and he's been on this pod, hasn't he, Marv? Yes, he has. Yes, he has. Yes. Yeah. He's, I mean, gone, on, gone. On. Well, the, the back four special for me because um, of a special day in my life, but. I'm judging this on how I feel at the time and how I felt at that time. Yeah. Is it is it something that is, I mean, you're picking your 11. Some people have gone down the route of just stars and things like that, or are you picking this more through your gut? I'm picking it through a bit of both, really. But yeah. when I think of the achievement that happened, I might have already told you the back four now, haven't I? So, <laughs> no, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yes, yes. And... and um, so Rob Johnson's at right back. Um, I mean, do you want your wing backs or, or kind of um, full backs? Are you after them always tucking in or what type of player do you want? Are you, are well, you... Rob, 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 was, um, Rob was a good footballer, but he was also a very good defender. What you find in the traditional modern game now, I find, is sometimes right and left full backs don't defend as strongly. They're prepared to run one way or whether you play them as, you know, in the wing back situation. For me now, there's not enough... Um, 1v1 v defensively minded fullbacks yeah and I, I think you're probably right and I think for example um, obviously you're in the Wales camp but in, in the English from the English perspective from mine I can see that with I think that's why Southgate prefers even people like Kyle Walker compared to Trent Alexander-Arnold or even a Reese yeah. James no definitely so Rob's Rob's in there and we'll talk about the whole back four when we get to the back four because like you said it's probably the worst kept secret ever but we'll we'll move on to left back uh, big blonde body like um, a Greek god, ex Luton Town and West Ham, and now I think is in the scouting. I mean, have you, have you, I mean, you got the, the opposite way around. Wasn't Rob left back and Tim right back? Yes, that day. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> I mean, listen. I mean, 
we're talking about um, Tim Breaker. I mean, Dibs has just put him the I mean, way around. But um, yeah, Tim Briegel, Beaker. We, I think we used to call Breaker. him a name. Tim Breaker. Yeah, but we used to, like, we used to call him a name, like Briegel, like I, some German. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but we used to call him another nickname, Dibs. I mean, I don't know, you might have left like, uh, after a German right back. I think his name was Hans Briegel or something like that, who used to be bombing up and down the wing. So we used to call Briegs Briegel, something like that. I can't remember. Somewhat similar to that name. You don't remember, do you, Dibs? No, no, but I remember <laughs> how powerfully. <laughs> I'm glad you are. Listen, yeah, so Tim Breaker. Fantastic. So Breaker is your right back. Um, yeah. And. Are we just going to go through the centre-backs before we talk about that day? Yeah, go, go through the centre-backs. Let's <laughs> go through the centre-backs. We, we, we've got, obviously, Mal, Donerkey and Fozzie, Steve Foster, um, who are the centre-backs, which is a, um, a really good, solid back four. But like Andrew said, um, I mean, I know there's, there was lots that went on in that day. I mean, the penalty save. But, they were all, but you pulled out, I can remember, two, if not three, unbelievable saves on top of that, Dibs, during that game. Um, I can remember the one, was it, was it a Smith header, which you got to, what just tipped over the bar? And there was another one down low to your left, yeah. I think. I can't remember who that was. But anyway, was that, I mean, that game, was that a game where you just felt, I mean, especially with the penalty, like you was just like, I mean, obviously they did score, but unbeatable. You just felt that you was going to, and, and I have to say, as well before on our waffling on. That was for me, for Dibs, is what Dibs was like for, for me when I was growing up and playing in front of him. He, he, in training, he was like that. I mean, when everyone's all, that's all he says, but in training, he, I mean, I'm not saying that every goalkeeper wasn't like trying, but in training, Dibs was, so, he would try and save the most difficult shot in a top corner in training. And he was like, that's what, and that's why I, I mean, I, I mean, what I loved about him because he saved what I called goals like some goalkeepers save goals where the players should really score but for somehow Dibs gets it but anyway it was difficult for me Marvin at that time because the, the competition I had with Jake Finley and Les Seeley uh, and at the time I was still a young lad I, don't forget I was 19 when I come to Luton Town I mean as a 19 year old now you don't get nowhere near the first team right and to be you know competing with guys like that and then it was a big fight to get my place and obviously during that time as well I had some tough in some nasty injuries um, involved with the artificial turf as well, which, you know, it was, it was, but obviously to go and win that final was a tremendous achievement. Yeah, so definitely. what age was you then, Dibs? What age was you in the final 88? What age was you? 22. 22? Oh my God. Just still young, it for, yeah. 22. Yeah. Do you have the whole, was the whole family there that day? Yeah, everybody's there. My mum, my, my dad, every, uh, loads of friends. It was just an unbelievable, um, that's why I chose that back four because it's so special and significant to me, you know? And you can talk about superstars and this, that, and the other, but for me, though, they were the superstars. Yeah. Yeah. How many games had you done, if you played then, did you, had you, had you, because I mean, you, it wasn't like uh, played over a hundred games or anything. Was that, how many games? I don't think you'd played that many games, had you really? No, I think close to a hundred by then, though. Close oh, was it? Oh, okay. No so more I mean, than, no more than more more than a hundred. Sorry, it would have been more than a hundred. Really? So that's still quite. <laughs> like I was that's a lot of games for a twenty-two-year-old yeah. goalkeeper. Relatively, do you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. So yeah, last time I heard Luton doing that was probably say Kelvin Davis at that young an age to play that many games. So yeah, he's 
extremely yeah, rare. Would, yeah, Kelvin would have done that definitely. Yeah. So obviously on that day, walking out um, through there, um, just talk us through the build up of the day, um, and as a goalkeeper, what what your role is because I know. I'll, Throughout the 90s, you spent a bit of time um, going in and out on loan and, and as reserve goalkeeper. What was what's the what's the job of your reserves and what's the goalkeeper's role? Uh, does the manager just leave you to it? Well, I didn't actually know I was playing till the morning of the game, so it was a. I don't think I slept overnight. I didn't know I was playing till the morning, and we stayed at the moat house um, in Luton, right on the uh, junction of the M1. There, uh, I didn't know till an early team meeting in the morning when Ray Harford, God bless him, obviously not with us anymore, had given me the nod because Les was back fit and I played in the FA Cup. People forget two weeks before I played in the FA Cup semi-final. Yeah, I think most where, Luton fans forget want want to forget about that. <laughs> yeah, and I know for me it was one of them it was one of them days where from a personal point of view I'd, I'd had quite a you know I'm not an egotistic person as you know I'd had, I'd had a very good afternoon apart from bringing bloody fashion bringing Dennis Wise down late on yeah, for them to win the game. Um, so the heartache of losing out in an FA Cup semi-final, a couple of weeks later we go to Wembley, becomes a momentous occasion for yeah. everybody at the football club. So penalty, how did you know which way to go? Was it just went off the uh, Yeah, It's interesting when you talk about penalties because obviously nowadays the information that players are given, uh, you know, it's endless, it's endless. Um, my goalkeepers are given so much of information now. I, I, I wasn't privy to have that. It was kind of more of a self-study. So, I mean, we're playing Swansea on Saturday. It's a massive game for us. But my goalkeepers will have information on the strikers, the penalties, this, that and the other. So in them days, it was more of, you know, you, you looked and watched match of the day and this, that and the other. Um, obviously, I knew a little bit about Nigel Winterbourne, but that was from my own self-study, you know, so. yeah. And did you did you so did you guess it or did you predict it? Did you did you did you watch his eyes and the angle of his foot? Yeah, no, no, I, I I I had a confident feeling from when he ran up to the ball he was going to go to my left hand. Yeah, and what was that like at that moment when you when when it hit when it hit your glove? What, what was it like? Well, I've never had a feeling like that in my life, and even that stage of the game, it was kind of we can go on and win it. Win it. I had a firm belief then that the. the the tide would turn and we could go on and win the game, which we did. Yeah. It's kind of like one of those ecstasy moments for the Arsenal fans who would have celebrated and then the Luton fans celebrate. It's it, You're right. It's probably for Winterburn as well and the whole team's kind of the yeah. sinking of the yeah. stomach and um, and then obviously going up the going up the other end and doing what we did um, the other way. It was it was a fantastic moment. And so lifting the, lifting the trophy, um, what was that like? And then the parade afterwards. It's something that will live with me forever. I mean, to, the biggest thing I remember is when Fozzie picked up the cup and then we come down the steps and we went to the Luton fans. I could see my mother and father and they must have come right down the front and, and they were there to see the, how ecstatic they were about everything. It was, it was just unbelievable. You know, you can, you can, I still look back at it now. And I don't replay, but it comes up, obviously. Um, but I always look at Steenie's goal, you know, to yeah. finish the game off and... It was, it's just an incredible moment. And then coming back to the town after, well, we stayed in London the night after the, the night of the game and coming back to Luton and then the celebrations later on in the week. It's just something that stays with you forever. Yeah. So you'd, you'd have been on a few open top bus tours, wouldn't you, in your time, even promotions yeah, and have, things I've, like that I've, with I've been, Man City. I've, and... been fortunate. I've, been, I've been fortunate as um, 
as a coach and a player, where I think I've had, I haven't actually written it down, but probably six, seven, six or seven promotions, which is, you know, doing a career as a player and a coach, that's, that's a that's good going. Oh, very good game. Very good game. And, um, and also we'll get onto some of those clubs and even things like Wrexham um, a little bit later on. So just one final question on the, on the cup final. Do you know where your medal is? Yes, it's safely stored away in the garage in Manchester. Fantastic, fantastic. So he knows it's there. He's he's got it. He's got it. Some people say this is it with their parents, or um, it's great to hear. Was it was it Fozzie said he wasn't sure where it was, Marv? Yeah, I think so. I think it was Fozzie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he probably yeah. left it in Harbinden in the pub. <laughs> uh, what we're gonna do is we're gonna pause it there, and when we get back for the second part, we're gonna hear the rest of Andy Dibble's My Best Eleven. Welcome back to the second part of my best 11 with Andy Dibble. So far, Rob Johnson, Tim Breaker, Mal Donaghy, and Steve Foster. But because Andy can't pick himself, he has put Peter Schmeichel in goal as well. Well, that'd, be, that'd been quite interesting. Can you imagine if Schmeichel would have saved that penalty? The animosity he had towards Arsenal. Can you imagine what he would have Oh, no, no. I think there was some tear-ups between <laughs> Arsenal and Man United, wasn't there? <laughs> you can imagine him or Winterburn going to Adams. And, oh, an absolutely hilarious to watch. Um, I'm right in the middle of it. <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> so we're going to move on to um, and start off with Marv's um, 60 seconds. Over to you, Marvin. Okay, Tibbs. Um, whatever comes into your head first. VAR or no VAR? Yes, the VAR. Okay. Um, Messi or Ronaldo? Ooh, difficult one. Ronaldo. Okay, Bundesliga, La Liga, or Syria for quality? Which one? Bundesliga, La Liga, or Syria? Bundesliga. Okay, I know the answer to this one. Favorite other sport? Golf. Golf. No. <laughs> yeah. Um, golden goal or penalty shootout? Penalty shootout for the goalkeepers. All right. Favorite holiday destination? Spain. Worst dress player. That's a difficult one. Keith Curl. All right. Fish and chips, pie and chips, or pasta? Pasta. Beer, wine, or spirit? Wine. Best. Last, last one, Marvin. Okay. Best ground or stadium you've played at? Uh, well, I'm not a red, but I have to say Old Trafford. Okay. Oh, interesting. Interesting. So. Is it a penalty shootout because you can't lose? Uh, probably because of being an ex-goalkeeper, and I think it brings... Um, it's, it's not a nice way to lose a game, but for one of those goalkeepers, it gives them uh, a big feeling on the night and they end up being a hero. So that's perfectly my response, is the goalkeeping side of things. Yeah. I can't remember what penalty shootout I watched the other week, and the keeper didn't save a thing. The player missed one of the penalties. But the keeper still was the one who was hugged at the end. It was quite ironic, even though he'd, he'd, <laughs> yeah, he'd, well, he hadn't done nothing, but you know what I mean? <laughs> right. We had um, a situation we recently where, it, obviously, the League, the League Cup final, where it went to the last kick with uh, Kepper. Yes. Yeah, uh, that, that's, what it, that's probably what it was, that one, yeah. Mm. I, I mean, that's actually happened to me, by the way. I played in a League Cup game for Stockport against Nottingham Forest. Uh, it came down to me to take the final kick, and it was saved, so... It was actually it can be have the other effect psychologically. It wasn't a nice feeling to miss a penalty. 
but obviously you're not used to, to taking them as a goalkeeper. That's what I was about to ask. To keep us, well, I was about to say, do you ever practice them? But if you're, I mean, who does the practicing against you? Do you bring a striker in or is it a goalkeeping coach? Um, we mix it up, really. Sometimes we'll have a whole load. Uh, everybody will go. When we're playing a cup game, um, like a league cup, we every player went through it and took a penalty. So, yeah. And then sometimes you might have a couple of individual players that take them for us that want to practice them. So there's a whole variation of the way we do it. Yeah, fantastic. So um, we'll keep going. Um, into your into your best eleven, um, you're playing four four two. Do you want to start in the centre or on the wings? On the right hand side, please. Fantastic. Over to you for clues. Um, big, very very dynamic going forward. Uh, could run like the wind. Manchester City. He finished a little bit earlier than he should have done in his career. England under twenty one international. It could be two. One of two. Nicky Summerby or David White? David White. I see the ex Leeds. Did he go Leeds? Yes. Leeds when he? Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I've got the right one. Yeah, he he was he was an um, interesting player. Like you say, he he kind of big. he is big, but he kind of he plateaued very quickly, didn't he? Yeah, yeah I, early I put age. David White in. I put David White into this on the right hand side because he. How can I say he was more of an old school uh, right-sided player that was more direct, that would run straight at people, probably not have as much trickery as I'm going to go from the left-hand side, but um, could cross the ball as well and cross the ball at pace. Yeah, I, I mean, I've I played with it against him, I mean, many a time. I mean, obviously when we were growing up, I mean, you, I mean you're right, Dip. I mean, listen, he, he would be one of those players who would be very direct, very strong. You couldn't, you, you, you couldn't intimidate him either because obviously he was a, probably yeah. bigger than most fullbacks back then. Was good, great in the air as well. I mean, so yeah, my, I, I, I know, and I, I know now. Sorry for interrupting, Marv. I know yeah. uh, now they t- teams tend to play with inverted wingers on the opposite side, but I used to love that. You know, when they get. Yeah, he suited the formation better, you know what I'm saying, don't you? Right. Obviously, nowadays, the left side is on the right side and this, that and the other. But for this t- typical team, this is where I preferred it. Do you play, did he play as well? Did you play with Nicky Summerby as well? Did you play with him? Yeah, N- Nicky was similar as well. Nicky could go past people. Yeah. That pace across a very good ball. Yeah. So you're a Man City for a, quite a while, but in that, in that time, Time frame. You you went out on loan to a number of other clubs. I mentioned a few of them. Um, what's that like as a as a player to go into a dressing room as a loanee, as as a loan player? Is it hard, uh, especially if you're told you're there for a month, you're on emergency well, loan? Think things have obviously in those days. I mean, when I went to Man City, the first two years and had a great time. I was number one. Um, uh, the event of Forest happened where I had the ball headed out of my hands and. I'd had a really good season and obviously that goal was given the Gary Crosby incident. Um, the following season, Tony Colton came in, who's now a good friend of mine. Um, Howard Kendall decided to play him above me, but it was in the day where you couldn't have a goalkeeper on the bench. So rather than me wanting to sit on my bum, um, I wanted to go and play games elsewhere. So that's how it happened. And yeah, it's difficult when you go into a, into a club on a short-term loan or whatever, but when you want to play games, you have to be adaptable and adjustable. Yeah. 
I mean, you're talking earlier on about for goalkeepers you're working with right now, with the managers, they're training almost for different situations of do you play the ball long like Warnock or trying to play the ball out with such as Stevie Morrison. When you go into a club, do you worry about that or do you almost have to just go back to your default because you're there for a month or whatever? Because you haven't got time really to kind of change your whole game, I suppose. No, it's very much you get on with it as soon as you arrive and adapt to the situation. Um, but when you go back to the, it's good the conversation we're having because when you go back to the coaching side of things, I always say to my goalkeepers, you know, this manager could change tomorrow. Yeah. So you yeah. have to have that focus in your mindset that, you know, we're going to, A, we're going to play out today, but next week we could be shelling it long, you know? So it's, it's, it's one of those that you have to grasp very, very quickly and be tuned in. I mean, uh, in, in the situation for me when I was playing, in that era, mostly you were in the front anyway. Yeah, they had big, big men up front and we'll get yeah, to some yeah. of them later on. Not saying there was no, I mean, there was still football played, but obviously the, the, the playing out from the back wasn't as, as much as it is now. Which one to did you fair, enjoy? You know what, I, I love both. And I think, I mean, if I was um, looking at things now, when you look at Edison who, for me, can do everything. Yeah. The, uh, and I love watching Edison play. I, I always think to myself, I'd probably love to see Edison or some of the top boys now playing the struggling team because they can obviously play football, but how do they do when they play in a struggling team That when they've got to keep the ball up in the net all the time? <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Marv. No, so I was going to say, to be fair, Dibs, I was going to say, you, 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 I mean, you were pretty handy on the field. You used to like to be, I remember, like playing out on the field and... I mean, I'm talking about in training as well, but I suppose, God bless him, the cat as well, Les. I mean, both of you were like, you weren't like rubbish then, put it that way, as like as goalkeepers when handling the ball. I mean, which, which was rare, because obviously, like you said, back in the day, you didn't, no one really played out the back, really. No, they didn't. I mean, but it, and when you go back, Luton Town and the David Pleat were, were and, and the Ray, I mean, Luton Town and the, it was always accredited to playing really good football, weren't they, Marvin? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. They did, did try and play football. Uh, but it's just, obviously, now things have changed. I mean, for, I don't want to go on too long, but we, we're going to play Swansea on Saturday. And I look, they, they play through the goalkeeper. I mean, they're, they're playing goal kicks into the middle of the box to go out the other side. So it comes from the left back into the goalkeeper in the middle of the six-yard box, the same way Derby do. It, it's, you know, it's... They're the two teams that do that in the championship. Yeah. Right. Wow, it's incredible it's, you're in that, that analysis here. It's really interesting to see, you know, how things have moved on. And we always say, are there any rights or are there any wrongs? Yeah, no, definitely. And it was, it's like fashion. It will come in and out and 4-4-2 will be back. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And long ball and suddenly it'll be, because it's different. Too many teams do the same thing. It's not going to make a difference. It's not going to give you that extra 3 4 5%, I suppose. <coughs> Absolutely. Um, so, left-hand side. On the left-hand side, I'm going for a Welshman. Um, he was the national team's manager until recently. Um, a Manchester United legend and one of the most gifted players on the, uh, the, the Welsh fans have ever seen. Yes. Equivalent to Gareth Bale at the moment. Ryan Giggs. Giggsy. It has to be Giggsy. Um, so you'd have played with him as a young kid, wouldn't you? Yes, I was involved with Ryan and in around him during the squad. Um, obviously played against him many times. Uh, but different to the right-hand side, probably had more trickery. Um, still had pace, 
but individual goals as well that uh, come to my mind uh, second to none um, when he beat David Seaman playing for Man United against Arsenal sticks to mind where yeah but um, ball carrying uh, unbelievable um, eye for goal lethal off three kicks as well dead ball plays um, so I'd go for Giggsy on the left so with the um, Welsh I mean, squad where you played with Giggsy. I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm not sure how many times you represent in the country, but I mean, was that something, Dibs, was, was on your mind to like play for Wales as you were coming up, growing through the, the ranks of becoming a professional player? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think the biggest thing about our country is, we, I talked about, I was there um, for the game last week. I didn't go to the second game, but we're a, very, very patriotic, small country. And I mean, we, Welsh football's really re, reunited now. I mean, I feel for Ryan, obviously, the personal issues that, have, you know, he's not taking the job at the moment. But as a person, I couldn't speak too highly of him. Yeah. And Rob Page doing a great job there. That's what I was going to ask. Is it is it something that the Welsh fans have come together because of what's happened? And also, I've been told that playing at Cardiff ground is actually making a hell of a difference rather than playing at the Millennium Stadium or whatever it's called these days. Yeah, I mean, the capacity is 33, 33 and a half, 34,000. Um, it, it generates, um, it's a newish type stadium, obviously, but it still has that old feeling about it, if you can understand what I mean. So um, they're still pretty close to the pitch, but the atmosphere that was generated there the other night was incredible. Absolutely yeah. incredible. Um the singing before and after the game. I mean, we're we're a country that obviously we love our hymns, and it, yeah, you you want to you want to you have to be in the stadium to experience it. I mean, a lot of people said to me that watching it on the TV was good, but to be in the stadium was second to nothing. Yeah, they also added the hymns in. It's much more. I remember it more of a rugby union thing. Yeah, well, a lot of people said that the, as I was talking about the singing, it's better than being at the rugby. So <laughs> we're catching up with the rugby guys. Yes. So were you a Cardiff fan all your life? or Yeah, I was very much a Cardiff City fan from a boy. And how so, did that feel leaving the club then? Or, or Firstly, signing for the club, you always wanted to sign for, and then leaving them as a player. I, it was it was difficult because all my family and friends are Cardiff City fans. But there was something about David Pleat that lured me to Luton Town. And at that time, I, I was also training at Watford and Graham Taylor wanted to sign me. And it was such a difficult thing for me to, to well, my, my iPhone, Graham Taylor, and my father was with me to say that I was going to sign for Luton because Watford were expecting me to sign for them. I don't think many people know this. How did that go down? What did, what did you say to Graham? What do you say to a manager when you're saying you're kind of rejecting him? It's always generally the other way around, I suppose. It, I think my father dealt with the more intricacies of it all, but because I'd, I'd been going up there training for six months. Um, but there was something about David Pleat that won me over in Luton Town Football Club. It was that they're both brilliant managers. Yeah, different, and, and, different type. It was, trust me, it was nothing to do with money. <clears throat> I think that at the time we just felt that Luton was a better fit for me. Yeah, oh, and 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 us and us as Luton fans, I totally agree with that. I'd never have recommended signing for them down there. <laughs> no, no, but it's, I don't think honestly, uh, Marv. I don't think many people knew that. No, probably not. No, strange. I know. Interesting. Because I was going to yeah. ask the same question, what, what Andrew said about um, Cardiff, um, if that was your um, team 
as a kid growing up and like 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 you said it, it was and I mean still I mean you, you're pretty young to be like leaving there but what do I mean so but again I probably the the prospect of playing um no disrespect to Cardiff at a higher level was Cardiff what division were Cardiff in back then because there's only like divisions well, one two three or four they would have been in the equivalent to the when I made my debut, they would have been in, in the equivalent to making the champ in the championship, and then they got relegated. But the following season, they got promoted back up. So and division was two big, was it? Were they division two? Yeah, yeah, then? yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but I'm I'm lucky. I've been promoted at Cardiff as a player and a coach. Yeah, you would have been incredible. Yeah, but I've um, been pro- to get promoted to, to get promoted to the Premier League um, here was an unbelievable feeling uh, as well with. You know, the stadium packed against Reading, and then next thing we're in the Premier League. It's fantastic. Is it, what's it? Is it different as a coach? Does it? Do you feel a bit more like a dad almost? Yeah, I mean, the goalkeeping side of it and your thoughts and that never change. I mean, I have many nights where, I mean, I'm terrible after games. I'm still kicking every ball, saving every ball. Um, always want them to do the best they can, keep the ball out of the net. I use that old school uh, word very, very often. Um, and the biggest thing that happened to me on Saturday was I went, I went to Wrexham to watch my own son play for Wrexham in a 6-5 thriller against Dover. Uh, he was in that one. I was there I was there Saturday watching my son Christian play in goal for Wrexham and it was probably the most difficult 90 minutes I've ever had to go through in my life because I'm watching it A, as a coach, B, as a dad, C, as an ex-Wrexham player. Um, it was... And when they went 5-2 down, I wanted to leave the stadium. But I stayed on and then in the game six five. Wow. Yeah, I've read about that one. That seemed an incredible score and how it how it all yeah. unfolded. Yeah, so Excellent. And that was always the plan for Christian, your son, to follow in your footsteps as a goalie. Was it no He's he's just take, he's just taken to it, Marvin. My other son, right. Marcus, he's centre half like yourself. And he's playing a good standard of um non league just below the conference in Cheshire and his team West Didsbury and Chorlton have just won the league, so a special congratulations to Marcus. And Christian has a lot to play for. They're playing um, they're, his next game Saturday will be against Stockport in the trophy, the okay. semi-final of the trophy. That? So they're, one about away, the they're one step away from Wembley. Wow. Wow. Um, that'll be pretty That'll be pretty incredible and quite surreal for you as well, I assume, if he gets there, um, to go back yeah. as a I mean, I'm player glad, to I'm your dad. Not, I'm glad I'm not going to be there Saturday. I'm glad I'll be on watching my goalkeepers play against Swansea because I, I don't think I can go through another 90 minutes of, of watching my son letting five goals in. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we'll keep going to central midfield for your best 11. Yeah, so in the central midfield, um, on the right side, uh, England international, a Geordie, ex-Newcastle United, Tottenham Hotspur, Glasgow Rangers. Go on, Andrew. I'm trying to think where you'd have played with him at. Rangers. Of course, yeah. <laughs> and Middlesbrough. And Middlesbrough, yeah. And Middlesbrough. Oh, well. yes, yes. Under um, Brian Robson, was he in charge then? Yes. Yeah. 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 Paul Gascoigne. Paul Gascoigne. Paul Gazza Gascoigne. So, what, what's, so everybody has a story about Gazza. <laughs> um, some of them can be published, some of them, probably most of them can't. Football, a football genius for me. Um, to be on the same pitch as him. Fantastic. I mean, he, he could do things that you've never seen. But the the biggest thing for me was his friendliness off the field. And I'll never forget how 
kind and hospitable he was to me when I went to Glasgow Rangers. Um, and him and his drinking pal, Jimmy Five Bellies, took me under their wing. So uh, my family and, and were young at that time, and we stayed up at Loch Lomond. It was even, you know, Dibs, there you go, there's the key to my speedboat, and take it around Loch Lomond. But, you know, just to make you feel happy and settle in. Um, and the first day I was there, I'll never forget, I got a phone call, it was Jimmy Five Bellies. He said, Dibs, we're around at a Mexican restaurant around the corner. Um, I'm staying in the centre of Glasgow. Um, book the table, come round, me and Jimmy are taking you out. Within five minutes, five to ten minutes of being at the club and made me feel so welcome and special. It was untrue, do you know what I mean? I didn't expect that from Paul Gascoigne. Yeah, it's great. Oh, it's sensational. I was going to say, the move to, I mean, again, Rangers, are, I mean, and still are today, are, are a big club. So, I mean, you you had, you know, I mean, I know you played for Aberdeen, I mean, which is, again, another a big club. Um, but the big two probably people would say would be Rangers and Celtic right now. So was that a difficult choice when it when you came to decide or was there any other clubs which were like tempting you? No, the Rangers situation came very, very quickly and I got a phone call out of the blue uh, from Walter Smith. Walter Smith rang me directly. He said, hi, Andy, it's Walter Smith. He said, um, I know you're out of contract in the summer at Manchester City and now we've still got um, games to go before the end of the season. We've got a little problem. Andy Gorham's got a knee injury. He said, um, and Sir Alex Ferguson has recommended that I give you a call. Um, and I was straight on the plane. Within 24 hours, I was on the plane up to Scotland. I tore up my contract in Manchester City to go there till the end of the season. Okay. And Sir Alex then gave him the, the, the little nod then, did he? He said. Yeah, yeah, he did. He did, yeah. So there was a nice... Uh, pickup call to know that somebody like Sir Alex had, mm. you know, given me a recommendation to go there. Right. Yes. A side comment that will live with you forever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, probably the, the the three months I had there was fantastic. I mean, I only played nine or ten games, I think it was, but to be part of a nine-in-a-row team was um, unbelievable. Especially then, Rangers were dominating in the 90s, weren't they, for a long, long while. Yeah, and um, it was a similar situation to um, the League Cup final where I didn't know I was going to make my debut till the morning of the game against Celtic. Uh, and to go to Celtic Park and keep a clean sheet in front of um, 58, 60,000 mad, crazy Scots. <laughs> not call them anything else. It doesn't cause any problems. What feeling that was. And uh, I never realised how big it was until probably three or four days after. Yeah, I knew there were big games, but <clears throat> it's only when you're in, in in the city and in amongst it all you realise how actually big it is. What was that like in the days after? Was it awkward walking around the city? Was it was it? Did they recognise you, or were you still well, not too recognisable? Well, Marvin knows what type of person I am, and I I must have gone out driving around Glasgow and probably one afternoon I think I ventured into the pub. I just not I'm not going in for a drink. I'm driving. I thought I'll stop off, have something to have a little bite to eat, and. Some guy looked at me and he said, Andy, do yourself a favour, get yourself out of here as quick as you've got in here because you're in the wrong side of Glasgow. You're in a, in a pub that you should never be in. <laughs> and the guy that told me this was, um, he was a Mancunian lad that was um, a student but loved his football and a Man City fan. And he said to me, never come in this pub again. It's a big Celtic pub. So it was all like you know, a learning curve. But, you know, I was in the wrong place for sure. So not only the wrong place, but it was a matter of days after you, you kept a clean sheet at their home ground. 
on the Tuesday and we were off on the Wednesday and I was just, just having a little drive round trying to get used to the area uh, look round as you do you know um, but I'm glad I didn't go there at night time because I might have uh, ended up getting in trouble <laughs> interesting brilliant brilliant so we're going to move to the other centre central midfielder has he gone flare or has he gone defensive uh, Flair to be fair is, is Flair again um, left footed uh Georgian international scored one of the best goals ever I've seen for Man City against Southampton. Uh, Dave Besson was in goal that day. Um, he had everything as well going forward. A little bit shy on the defensive side, but what a player. Georgie Kongladzi, is that how you say it? Kongladzi. Georgie Kongladzi. Yeah, Georgie Kongladzi. Yes. Yeah. He wasn't the, the he little... was there for a little while, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. He, I think two or three seasons, but um, one of the most gifted midfield players Manchester City has ever seen during that time. Obviously, now they've moved on, but uh, and a fantastic lad as well. Because he's yeah. only small, wasn't he? He's not, he wasn't the biggest, yeah, but he, he had great he feet, only, wasn't he? He was only small, but as good as he was with his left, he was equally as good with his right. He would make a tackle, by the way, but um, he was kind of cute with it. You know what I'm saying, Marv, don't you? <laughs> It was more if he had to rather than wanted to. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, so King Kladze's in there. King Kladze and, and Gaza, um, not totally similar players, but like I said, the flair side of players. I mean, what King Kladze coming in, Georgian, um, how did he settle into the team? Did he find it tough? Um, I know he had a few other Georgians signed for the club around that time. Kashvili, I think it was as well, some others. Yeah, Kavalashvili, yeah. Yeah, what was that like for him? Obviously, it's not like it is today, where it's just culture everywhere in the Premier League. Back in the nineties, it was still those very. Guys adapted, those guys adapted very, very quickly. I think coming from the background, um, where obviously they were hard people, you know, they were. They, if you can understand what I'm saying, they 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 they've been brought up in countries where they probably weren't as privileged as they were in the UK. Yeah. So they adapted well. I mean, they sometimes it would be sad talking to them because they didn't realise how much luxury they were getting in England. So they spent a lot, did they bring their whole family over or did they spend half their time yeah, they, sending they money back? Or They brought, brought most of their families over. Yeah. And King Cladsey, what whatever happened to him after he left Man City? Do you remember? I, I still speak to him now via Nicky Summerby. Um, he comes back before Manchester. He, they love him when he turns up at the games. Um, he's not looking as fit as me, that's for sure. <laughs> 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 and uh, I think he does a little bit of agency work now and, and, and that. Just to tie him over. Yes, yeah. Just, oh, thank. Were you, were you at the game when he scored that goal? I can't remember who it was against now. Southampton, yeah, I was there. Yeah, was that was it surprising or had you seen him do it week in, week out on the training ground? I've seen him doing week in, week out on the training ground, but it was one of the, I mean, it was one of them carrying the balls from halfway, dinking around people. It was a special goal. Yeah, that one sticks in my mind. Actually, somebody else that you play with, um, Dalian Atkinson did something quite similar to that a few years earlier, I think. Yeah, Dalian, God bless him. I had the privilege of being with Dalian at Man City. What a fantastic guy. Yeah. Uh, lovely man. Yeah, such sad news, you know, when obviously he passed away. Yeah, no, definitely. So we're going to move on to your strike force. Um, and up front, I don't know which way you're going to do this. Well, they're both Welshmen, but you will understand the combination. Uh, the number nine and the number 10, but you could spin them round, so it wouldn't matter which, but the first one I'm going to go for is a Liverpool legend. Juventus? Um, yes, 
you gone uh, record goal scorer in the Premier League. I don't, I'm not sure what year it was, um, but I'm trying to think how many caps he had as well. For, I think he might have got around the 90 to 100 mark. Uh, he's one of our biggest ambassadors in the country. Yeah, definitely. Ian Rush. Ian Rush. Rush. Yeah. Yeah. He always came across as a gent. Was he a gentleman, Marv, on the pitch? Um, I mean, quite. Himself- I mean, did, I, did, I mean, I, mean I, I played probably, I think, only, only a handful of games, maybe, against um, Rush. But like, I mean, he was really quiet. I mean, it, it wasn't it wasn't one of those those forwards who would be like in your ear trying to wind you up like that. He would. I think. I mean, Dibs could answer it better. He was probably, like I said, he for me, it was like he's on the field. This is his business. This is what I get paid to do to score goals. Bang, score goal. Now let's go again. Score another goal. Bang, let's go again. He was not bothered engaging any chit chitty chatty stuff. What, what was he like, Dibs? I mean. Was that, was very, that right? very, very, very quiet guy. I mean, obviously one of the best finishers you've ever seen. Um, but when I look at the modern day game now, and the, I've gone for the two up front, because of the pressure they would put on defenders, it was phenomenal. Um, and Rushy was one of them. He worked so hard. People, although they all look at Ian Rush as saying he was a goal scorer, but nobody noticed how much work he did off the ball, which was um, the classic Ian Rush for me. Yeah. yeah, I mean, playing for Wales as well. Um, around that eighties, there were so many. Look, you, well, you've, you're going to pick two of them, but I think there were definitely three of them up front that were around that around that time period. Was it something as a Welshman, um, a proud Welshman, that you you kind of then we we could have done more. We could have gone to more um, finals. We could have gone. Do you know what I mean? Or, but I know yeah, back we, then it was a lot harder to get to them. So I only say eight teams in the Euro. This is oh, this is the. Then our next game could be obviously against Scotland. Um, we've not been nowhere near the World Cup since 1958. So the next qualifying game we have is will be so big for this country. Obviously, we haven't been, as I said, near the World Cup the 19, since 1958. So, um, 58? 58? Yeah. Yeah. Did they not, did they, did they not go no, in the Euros? We've been, been to the Euros, but we've not been near no. the World Cups. Well, what about, went, what about in 78 when Archie Demel scored? Was that not against Brazil in 78? No? That's Scotland. Scotland. Scotland, yeah. Oh, my gosh, yeah. What am I thinking? Mm-hmm. Marv. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah and there's some, there's some other story behind that as well, isn't there, in the 58, that you didn't actually yeah. qualify initially anyway, that um, you got there through something else happening or another country not being allowed to play or yeah, something like that. Yeah, right. It's an open story, but you're spot on. So it's been that long. I mean, obviously, the last. So you can imagine how big it is down here to win the next game against Scotland. It's supposed to be the Ukraine, but obviously, what's happening there, we don't know what's gonna, you know, what's gonna happen. But our next World Cup qualifying game will be on June the fifth, I think, in Cardiff. Yeah. And that's been quite intriguing because, of course, you. I know with time of filming, the draws being made later on today as well. I think. Um, yes for the actual World Cup. So you'll find out who you could play before you've actually qualified, which is quite different for these type of tournaments. Spot on. Yeah. So you've gone for Ian Rush. Next to Rushy is going to be one or two. One. Um, he no, is... but yeah, no, no, I, mean, I think Andrew meaning that there's two... There's two players mind. it could be. Yes, but like... <laughs> oh, you know, sorry. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, this man... Uh, more of aggressive type, um, 
again, it privileged to play with the, the both of them. Um, Manchester United is now a manager at a League Two team in England. I saw that yeah. he's gone to Bradford, isn't he? Yeah. So League One, League One, yeah, League yeah. One. Um, more aggressive than Rushy. Uh, Mark, Mark, Mark Hughes. Mark a Hughes. great, a great volleyer. You, you, I think Andy was maybe thinking about that. Uh, I was thinking as well. The other Liverpool one, the one who played for um, Liverpool, Villa, Derby. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I'm going to go for Hughesy. And Hughesy, uh, you talked about the overhead volleys and the volleys, unbelievable. And I remember when he was playing for. Blackburn Rovers and I went there with Stockwell County in the championship um, and we were we were in the we, we were at 89 minutes we were we were two all and Mark Hughes probably hit one of his volleys past me from the penalty spot that flew in to win the game 3-2 for for Blackburn um, another one great guy uh, dynamic explosive forward that what a combination uh, yeah. one of the best Oh, definitely. And then you got and you got gigs and you got the old-fashioned wingers, as you say, um, especially someone like Whitey just going down the wing and being able to yeah. put the ball in. Um, they'd, they'd have absolutely loved that. Absolutely, absolutely loved it. So you picked your 11, Andy, which um, the final, one of the questions we like to ask towards the end is the manager. Yeah. Which Ooh, manager wow. to, lead the, to lead this 11? Well... I've worked with so many really good managers and this is really putting you on the spot, but I suppose I'm going to have to go for David Pleatt, Luton Town. What, what, what would be about Pleaty, do you think, that would love... Is it the footballing side, like you pick two flair players yeah, in the I middle? Think, there's so many to mention. God bless him. I can't dismiss Ray Arford and Howard Kendall. People are not here with us. And, but when David Pleat for me, um, in today's game... And obviously, in those days, as Marvin knows, we're talking about a four-four-two situation where people probably still now think if you play four-four-two, you're just going to boot the ball forward. But David Pleat, for me, was a, a football manager genius, and I never forget a conversation. Um, and Fozzie was there, and a few of the lads were there. Peter Nicholas was there, and it was about we stopped conceding because we were winning games 4-3, and he used to like winning games 4-3 or 5-4, and it, the lads were saying, no, it's time now to shut up shop, we need to get some uh, one nilers or 2-1s and stop conceding goals, but completely just loved seeing a goal flow. He'd have, he'd have loved your son's yeah. game. <laughs> yeah, he did. He'd have, he'd have loved the Rex and Dover game then. He'd have loved to have yeah, been you there. Yeah, he, 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 <laughs> he, he loved things like that, but he, he was, he, I was amazed you know the way he wanted to play football and when I came at Luton the way he wanted it to be so yeah. I think um, Dibs hit it on there I think if if I mean we obviously we've had um, David as one of the guests on here he, and he's he's in my mind obsessed with the game he, obs he was obsessed with football just loved football and I, and, and I think a little bit of it's like has rubbed off for me I can see sometimes when I'm working with the boys or the girls teams when they play some like interchanging flowing football and create a chance it's like it's it's it's, it's just so great to see so i can I, I think i can feel a little bit similar to him and i mean i love to win don't get me wrong but like if we've, we if we've got beat in the last minute but played unbelievably i mean i'm not upset after the game i'm not upset i mean i'd rather see a great fantastic well, I have a little game. question from me little question from me to you what what 
What, what formation are you playing with the with the women's team? Well, as we we got there was both women and women and um, boys. And the men. men, yeah. So mainly now it's the four four two diamond because um, I mean. Uh, again, not being disrespectful, a lot, a lot of the, um, the so-called American teams over here are, are playing the four-three-three um, formation, which I mean is a lot of people are playing that. I mean, some every now and then they put the four-four-one-one or the four-two-three-one, but I quite like the the four-four-two diamond because it's not really used that much by many uh, coaches here, and it's and I like to outnumber them in midfield and try and play through the middle. And I still have the, the threat of two up front at, at centre forwards. So yeah. that's, that's worked quite well with the boys. Especially. It's amazing here, you know, obviously with yourself, Excentra half. I mean, we're with a lot of teams in, in England, as you know now, are like 3 4 3, 3 5 2. Seems yeah. to be a big, um, a big call here now for that. Yeah, fantastic. Very interesting. So um, just, to, just to finish off um, yeah. the podcast, Marvin, over to you. Yes, Dibs, I mean, I think we, we, we've spoke about it a little bit at the beginning. What Just let, to let those ones who don't know, I mean, what you're at, I mean, I'm sure most of them do, um, where you're at now and your role and what you're doing. Obviously, at Cardiff City, goalkeeping coach. Um, it's my fifth season. Uh, next year will be my sixth. Thoroughly enjoying myself. Um, every year is always one of them where we want to try and go forward. We've had a little bit of a struggle this season. We've had some good years. Um, getting in the Premier League was a highlight. Um, one big occasion we have got, we played the Hatters in two or three weeks. So I'm looking forward to that day. And I've got some friends coming up from Luton that I'm looking forward to seeing. Credit Nathan Jones. Uh, Luton have had a really good season and he can be proud of what he's done there. Yeah. Surprised Excellent. you? Um, I, I love seeing my old teams doing well. Um and I think he's so enthusiastic and a fantastic manager. And it's great to see, you know, he's done well and getting Luton where they are on, on not a, a massive budget, which is a major achievement. When you can uh, do things like that and, and achieve with a not as big a budget as the other boys, it's fantastic. I really do hope that Luton Town are in the playoffs this season. Ah, yeah. Seconded. Seconded there. Um and just, uh, I mean, you, you're being a coach for a little while now. Have you ever wanted to step up? Have you ever had the opportunity to to become manager or do you prefer the coaching, the day-to-day coaching? Um, I'm, I'm involved in everything as well. I, mean, I get involved in the set plays as well. You never know. Somebody might say to you, you might need to take over. I've got no sort of like eyes on be, becoming a manager, but sometimes it, you don't know. You can never say never, can you? But I've never, you know, I enjoy my role as a goalkeeping coach, and that is where I see myself for the foreseeable future. I mean, I want to carry in this role for another four or five years, uh, but then I like to go into recruitment. I'd like to go into the recruitment side, but just specialising on the goalkeeping side of things. There is a there, there is a call for it now in England, where I know the likes of Manchester United and um, Manchester City have their own specialised goalkeeping uh, scouts. Um, and I could see myself going down that route. Uh, my next step next season won't be to do any more badges, coaching badges. It will be to do um, the talent ID course, which you know, I think I'll have a, a good eye for goalkeepers, obviously. I'd like to oh. think so. <laughs> Definitely. Use some of your own experience. Fantastic. Well, I want to say on behalf of myself and Marv, thank you so much for your time. It was lovely to get you on. Um, and 
That was Andy Dibble's My Best Eleven. <laughs>